to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com welcome back to another week of sluts and scholars before we get to the actual episode i'm going to do a little segment that is sponsored by satisfier satisfier is sponsoring this segment of the show in celebration of self-confidence and self-discovery as well as women's history month To celebrate this month, Satisfier is offering Sluts and Scholars listeners 40% off and free shipping for all app-enabled devices. When you go to Satisfier.com and enter code S&S40 at checkout, just go to Satisfier.com and use code S&S for 40% off and free shipping. One way to increase our capacities for things like self-confidence and self-discovery is through self-pleasure. If you remember all the way back to my very first Sluts and Scholars episode, I discovered self-pleasure from a pretty early age, like most children do. Luckily, I was not shamed for it, and I really truly believe that this has helped shape my confidence when it comes to talking about sex. My preferred pleasure enhancer at the time was the pole at the park, uh, and later a back massager from Sharper Image, uh, thanks to a gift from my mom. Um, I don't think she knew that's what I was using it for, but uh, I think she would have appreciated it. Um, My experience, though, is somewhat rare, and I see a lot of folks in my therapy practice who have immense shame around self-pleasure. A lot of folks have never even done it at all, um, and some feel that there is something wrong with them because they can only orgasm with their pleasure product, vibrator, tool, or device. Spoiler, there is nothing wrong with you if you need some tools to help you find your pleasure potential. So in order to do that or to take that first step, I want to invite you all on a journey. It's called body mapping and you can do it on your own or with a partner. There are no goals other than curiosity and adventure. I want to invite you to essentially Google Maps your body trying to find where all of the crevices, the nooks and crannies, the bodies of water, the mountains, if you will. So using your hands and or a satisfier pleasure product and anything else you can think of that sounds interesting, I want to invite you to gently go from head to toe, exploring sensations on each part of your body. Again, the goal is not to orgasm, but just to notice what feels pleasurable. And are there areas that are no-goes that maybe you don't like? Are there areas you didn't know that you liked? And while you're doing it, slow down and really change up the pressure, the speed, the sensation, the intensity, and see what you like and where. This is an opportunity to really slow down and really acquaint yourself with what it takes to notice physical arousal, pleasure, triggers, or any other sensations. And remember that when we're confident in our ability to self-pleasure and explore our bodies, we can take some of the pressure off of our partners to feel responsible for our pleasure. It really helps expand the range of pleasure to be a collaborative effort. Like Nina Hartley always tells me, it is up to us to teach our partners how to find our pleasure or orgasm. And pleasure products like the Satisfier Align can be a great way to help increase sensation and allow us the opportunity to access areas of our body that are difficult with our hands alone. Remember, tools like the Satisfier are just like other tools that we have in life to make our life more accessible, like forks or the internet. And research shows that those who engage in self-touch regularly actually have healthier relationships, a stronger sense of boundaries, and are happier in the long term. So join me in celebrating this month because the Satisfier is offering Sluts and Scholars listeners 40% off and free shipping for all app-enabled devices. When you go to thesatisfier.com and enter code S and S 40 at checkout. Just go to S A T I S F Y E R.com and use code S and S 40 for 40% off and free shipping. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy your body mapping. And now to the episode. Thanks for tuning in. Sluts and Scholars is a sex positive, shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter. While we love to give advice and resources, please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy. 
Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. From the age of 11 years old, Danny Santos of Santos and the Crystal Visions had taken an active interest in studying astrology and tarot. Through the mentorship of two psychic mediums and a Wiccan shaman, Danny studied astrology, psychic meditation, tarot reading, numerology, palmistry, and a number of other metaphysical practices. After refining his intuitive arts in Royal Oak, Michigan, he made the move to Los Angeles to study critical theory in cinema and media with an emphasis on psychoanalysis at USC. Now Danny specializes in astrological birth chart readings, tarot readings, and couples, sex, love, relational, and intimacy astrology. Danny also leads courses on astrology, tarot, chakras, and other spiritual topics, and performs, I, we have to talk about this, exorcisms, house blessings, um, and helping folks clear out energies from their homes. Uh, Danny also plans to study to become an ayahuasca shaman with the, tell me if I say this incorrectly, Shipibo? Shipibo, yes. Shipibo tribe in Peru on 2-22-22, his birthday. Okay, I know some of y'all are serious scholars and that some of these modalities are not in your wheelhouse, <laughs> but I personally am interested in anything that diverse folks use for healing and health modalities. Um, in my personal therapy practice, I often help folks incorporate their spiritual practices, uh, even and often if it's something that isn't important to me or that doesn't align with my beliefs. So I would invite you all today to stay open and see what resonates with you. Today we will be talking about how to use astrology to spice up your sex life, how astrology and tarot can highlight aspects of yourself and your relationship, sexual liberation, tantric practices, and more. Welcome, Danny. Hello, and thank you for the beautiful intro. <laughs> You're welcome. So happy to have you. I'm such a fan of the cast, so it's such an honor to be here. Okay, I have like important sex stuff to get to, but like exorcisms, I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is something that just as a child, I was like super into. I just, uh, I remember there was this website called Stumble Upon where you could like select interests that you had and you can click and it'll give you media and you just start consuming media that way. And one day I came across far before the story of the, the conjuring and that film ever came out, the story of the Annabelle doll and demonic possession and intensity in the spiritual realm. So I purchased the book, the demonologist, and I started studying like crazy. And actually the, uh, the Wiccan shaman and the two psychic mediums that I studied with in Michigan. Um, they are paranormal investigators. They work with this energy all the time. So I got some pretty awesome training on how to do this. Okay. So have you seen, have you seen one? Um, I've never seen a demonic possession <laughs> like in that kind of way, but I've been to people's homes where they have weird things going on. Um, most recently, I was actually, um, I have a client, she lives in Bakersfield, California, and she has been having poltergeist activity. So Ooh. laying in her bed, the, the, the bed sheets being ripped off of her, this feeling as though she's being grabbed, bugs crawling all over her body. And I had to interview her for like an hour and a half to go through her entire life, traumas, uh, things. Yeah, to be like, okay, is this psychosis and do you need mental health support or is it, can we not figure out what the fuck's going on? Yeah, and it turns out she's a she's a licensed doctor. So it's she, she's been to uh, therapists, they put her on antipsychotics, she's tried everything and there has not been a logical reason as to why this is happening. So she eventually found me through Yelp and we just started working together and I've blessed her home. It stopped the activity for a little while. And we might need to actually pull in a Roman Catholic priest to come and perform an exorcism on the house. Okay, you're going to need to update us on the podcast, like what happens with this, because I'm a big believer in if it works, it works. And I guess what I mean by that is, I mean, I'm, if you listen to the podcast, you probably know that like, I'm a weirdo. I believe in most things. Yes. Um, just cause I'm, just cause I'm interested. I'm always just interested and curious. And obviously this is probably a, an area where a lot of people are like, fuck no, like this is <laughs> ridiculous. This person just needs to like be hospitalized or right, whatever. Right. Um, and if it works, who cares? Who like, cares? I'm kind of like, even if, I mean, placebo is a really, 
huge impact for some people. Absolutely. And if, if, I mean, I'm not saying it is, but like if it was just placebo and this person was like, okay, I believe in this and it work and it shifts their life and they feel better and they feel safer. Like who cares? I'm a hundred percent on board. And <clears throat> I love that you're bringing placebo into this because that's something that I'm like reading about all the time. And what is labeled placebo by the scientific community would be called manifestation in the spiritual community. Mm. The idea that you can heal yourself without having to use any particular thing other than believing that you can be healed. So it's interesting because working with this woman, um, I had to, I've sent her to a Reiki healer. She joined my spiritual class and it turns out she has a lot of trauma in her life. So as Freud would tell us, you know, when we don't, um, when, when we repress something, it comes out in weird and unusual ways. Mm. So this woman has not dealt with the trauma of her lifetime. A family member had committed suicide in that house. Um, there, the, her cat had just passed. She's going through a career change. Like all of the, the elements for demonic possession are ripe or not. I don't want to say demonic possession, but, uh, in this case we would call it poltergeist activity. Yeah. And in, in maybe if you're a mental health person and listening, then maybe it would be like, okay, they're having somatic representations of trauma and need to do some body healing, trauma work, whatever that may be that resonates with them. Absolutely. To- to process this well and from a psychological point of view we can just call it external replication this woman has severe amount of trauma and she it's being recreated outside of herself so Mm. it could be just as similar saying like she's having panic attacks but whether you turn towards the spiritual or the rational to me it doesn't matter like you said if it works it works Mm. yeah so what what sort of messages do you have for our non-believer listeners about (laughs) like um why this can maybe be helpful or useful or interesting, um, even if it's not something that you're a fan of. Yeah. Well, um, I think you mentioned in my bio that I I studied at USC, um, and I actually studied in the film school there and I specialized in psychoanalysis for cinema and media. So I was studying the likes of, of Freud, um, Carl Jung, Jacques Lacan. So we're talking a lot about psychoanalysis and psychoanalytic theory why people do the things that they do, why we respond to the way to the world that the way that we do. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's always stuck with me um, doing the, this work as a professional astrologer, tarot reader, sex, love, relationship, and intimacy um, counselor, there's this energy of Freud used the tarot with his clients as mirrors for reflection. And it wasn't necessarily that there was some huge metaphysical implication, even if I believe that. Um, Freud said that you can use the tarot to draw out the subconscious. Or Carl Jung did studies on astrology to find that people who were astrologically compatible had a three times higher likelihood of being compatible for the long haul, whereas couples that were not astrologically compatible had three times lower likelihood. So these are things that scientists would measure as important. As research. Yes, as research and as tools. Mm. So whether, again, whether you believe that there's like magic and mysticism or you're just using these things as mirrors for reflection to try to notice patterns, to work on the mental health of an individual, whatever it might be, it's useful. Yeah, I mean, that's um, that's similar. I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast yet, but I'm also an um, equine-assisted uh, psychotherapist, which is um, doing work with equines, which are horses and donkeys. And one of the ways that that therapy shows up is, is kind of the same thing. It's metaphors and reflection. And so, you know, you could see a horse walking away and doing something, and you would have one interpretation. I would have one interpretation. All my listeners would have their each, each their own individual interpretation. And based on that, we can uncover things that are going on for that person and their, and their character and their personality and their trauma because it's a reflection of what what they're seeing right of what's uh again that term external replication something that is very recognized in the psychological community whatever's going on inside we will recreate outside Hmm. so it's the idea that we we must be mindful of how we're approaching life the things that we do there's a symbiotic relationship internal and external as above so below 
Yeah, I think, um, well, my partner is definitely, like, not into any of this stuff. So we've often, <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm just going to get that need met with other people, which is a good note for you listeners that you don't can't get everything from one person. Amen. And I think one of his concerns is that folks who do more of the, the magic-y, mysticism-type work are taking advantage of vulnerable people. Yes. What do you think about... What are, you, what are your feelings about that? So, that's such a good point. Um, I actually dated a guy, like, four years ago who said, yeah, you're, you're interested in charlatanism. And, uh, yeah. And you were like, well, I'm making money, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, this, this idea really got brought deeper to my attention about how much people are being taken advantage of because I, <laughs> so I launched my Yelp page during the pandemic and um, I get calls all the time just from people who are interested in scheduling an appointment. And my, one of my clients recently said, yeah, I did a love reading with, with a, a woman who claimed to be a psychic medium and she wanted me to pay $2,000 to remove a blockage between me and this guy by purchasing some candle and like doing a prayer over it. And literally this is something that I was trained on through, through my mentors. Um, one of them's named Candace Isaacson. The other one is Patty Gignac. Um, and then Sandy Stevens is the, the Wiccan shaman. But these, these women trained me to say, if you are working in a metaphysical space don't ever purchase something that's going to like, quote unquote, remove a curse. Uh, don't ever spend money on people that are like, you join the session. Oh, well, now you can get this if you pay a little bit more and this a little bit more. I think there are a lot of scammers out there who like money and mm -hmm. who are trying to encroach upon vulnerable people. So aside from just hiring you, and maybe that's the message from this, but how can, how can people maybe sift out the... The charlatans. Yeah. Um, first of all, I think go to somebody who is warm and kind and you, you can get a feeling. Uh, it helps if they have a website. You can find them on other media and other content. Um, listening to podcasts that people do with this kind of work, you, you want to find somebody that it's like metaphysics and any kind of metaphysical work. They, it, it, you need a holistic background. For me, there's psychology, there's cinema and media, philosophy, um, mythology is huge in my practice as well. So finding somebody who's not just doing this work, etc., but the idea that they're, they're holistically approaching the, the metaphysical realms. And then on top of that, it especially helps if you're working with somebody who's doing it through a lineage. Like yeah. for me, my great grandmother was a tarot reader in Spain. So, mm. and I, I mean, I think the cultural components mm. that you were bringing out too also make me think that some folks who are immediately like, so anti this stuff is <laughs> potentially, um, I don't know, like culturally biased or sometimes even racist because it's like, well, if this is a part of my culture, my religion, my way of practicing things, like I may not agree with it. There may be parts of that practice that certainly don't align with my ethics. And um, who am I to talk somebody out of something that's part of their, I the guess, life? Identity in a big identity? way. Right. Yeah. Well, and the the Latinx community is super into a lot of metaphysical and spiritual ways of understanding the world. Religion runs very deep um, within our community. And also the idea of uh, trying to understand the world through unconventional, what, what the West would call unconventional means. You can look at places like uh, in the East. It's not all about logic and reasoning all the time. And this even goes to sexuality. Like if you're trying to be turned on in sex, you can't do it with your brain all the time. Right. All the time. Oh, say more, say more about that. Let's <laughs> we'll get into we'll get into the sex now. Enough, <laughs> enough of our philosophizing, I guess. Well, we can talk about like maybe I, I love the philosophizing, so don't get me wrong, but yeah. We can talk about different signs of the zodiac, like Aquarius's, Gemini's, and Libra's. These are the air signs they want to understand sex and sexuality oftentimes through a cerebral lens. So I believe you're a Gemini, right? Yes. So it's no surprise you have a podcast called Sluts and Scars. <laughs> there is a cerebral aspect. Mm. Where, whereas me, I'm a water sign, I'm a Pisces. There's a more intuitive, spiritual, tactile, and emotional connection with sex. And don't get me wrong, I've got Venus in a fire sign in Aries. So I like to do the dirty, but... yeah. 
it's there's just these mirrors for reflection. We can look at all of the zodiac signs. Each one encapsulates a different archetype, and each one of those archetypes likes to have sex differently. Mm. And what does my Gemini archetype say about how I like to have sex? Oh, girl, you are going to need to be (laughs) mentally stimulated. You want to be like unsure. You want to try to solve the puzzle to get in the bedroom. That's the sexiest thing for you is going to be like, I can't quite put my finger on it and I'm trying to figure it out. Oh, that's so true, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) So, and again, for the people who don't, who don't believe in this as a logical way of understanding the world, all I can say is give it a shot. Try to take a look at what an astrologer or a tarot reader would have to say. And if you're having difficulty in your sex, love, relationship, or intimacy sphere, that's not always a logical practice. Sometimes you need to use things to help story tell or project onto well, I mean, either way, I'm I'm a fan of like anything that helps people spice up sexy times. So, mm. how how can we kind of use as, as you're talking about now the modality of of astrology to create an added resource for sexual connection? In astrology, obviously, sex and sexuality is a huge part of it. Um, the placement of the planets Venus and Mars in the birth chart. Venus is our passive, feminine, sensual, beautiful energy. And it represents the internal sex organs on the body. So for men, that would be like the testicles. Women, that would be like the vagina or... Um, ovaries. Oh, the ovaries, yeah. <laughs> Whatever yeah. they have. <laughs> you know, I'm gay. I don't know necessarily know women's parts too well. <laughs> um, but we can look at this Venus energy. It's, it's really goddess energy. It's how we're bringing up the sensuality and the beauty. So let's say somebody has Venus and a planet or in a sign that's not very sensual, like Gemini. This person wants to use their brain. They want to have a conversation. There's verbal aspects to sex. There's there's a mentally stimulating. The foreplay begins when they wake up that day and they know they're seeing that partner later. Mm, yeah, I love that, the all-day foreplay. Uh-huh. So, so that's a very air sign quality, whereas something like a fire sign they're going to want maybe a little bit of passion and spice. Um, I know Leo's like to be very theatrical in the bedroom, the fire signs in general. When two of them come together, it's like explosive. Mm. So we can talk about understanding the placements of your Venus and your Mars and your birth chart. And I'll use myself as an example. I'm a water sign, so it's emotional, it's sensitive, but I have Venus in a fire sign. So the second it comes to socializing, because Venus is socializing and sex, um, I'm an extrovert. I'm over the top. I love big expressions of passion, but I'm a Pisces, so I'm sensitive. So that might make it hard finding a partner at times, but when it comes to having sex, it's an incredible way to be intimate and vulnerable while also keeping things spicy. Mm. (laughs) Are there ways to tell other things about somebody's preferences by looking at this, like their orientation or their like preference towards monogamy? Yeah, actually through my studies, I've looked at thousands and thousands of birth charts at this point. And I will find oftentimes people who have aspects to the planet Uranus or Neptune and Venus in their birth charts. Uranus represents progressiveness, um, chaos, instability, but also how we are trying to advance society forward. I'm so, like so immature. I can't stop thinking of Uranus. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uranus. Hey, Uranus, my anus. I know it's Uranus. Whatever. I like, I'm still like a child. I'm like, Uranus. <laughs> well, you know what? Like, I, I, it's just in the astrological community, nobody says Uranus. So it's like, I forget that that's even <laughs> like a, a, a thing. You know what I mean? I can't stop. Okay. But also, if Uranus is the planet of like unconventional and like progressive, of course it's going to have the most like sexual and funny name. Well, yeah, and if it's about progressive thing, then then where you need to go is Uranus. You know? Yeah, ex- amen, baby. <laughs> A little booty play didn't hurt anybody. <laughs> Hopefully, it should never hurt. No, it shouldn't, and if it does, you got to put up your consent. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, back to what you're saying. Okay. So the aspect. I'll between, try to control myself. <laughs> if Uranus is aspected in a hard aspect in the birth chart, this can. What does that mean? A hard aspect. All right. So according to the astrological birth chart, it's like a wheel. So it's there's 360 degrees. Let's say you've got Venus at uh, 13 degrees Aries in your birth chart, and then you've got Uranus at like 
20 degrees Capricorn. These are approximately 90 degrees apart from each other on the astro- astrological wheel. So, okay. the And ni- that means where the stuff was in the sky yes. when you were born. Yes. Okay. So the 90 degree aspect is known as a hard aspect. It's a square because one fourth of 360 is 90. So it's, you know, four sides of a, a square. It's They're squaring each other. Getting a math lesson during this. Thank you for reminding me. We're getting into the super, super technical side of astrology here. This is not the fun part. But (laughs) the hard aspects between Venus and Uranus in the birth chart can really reveal some interesting things. I have this aspect in my birth chart. I'm gay. I have an affinity for dating men way older than me. I'm 28. My last relationship was with a 55 year old. Um, and there's Hi, just. Hi, Daddy. Hey, Dad. I love a good daddy. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. Astro <Same>. Daddies, <laughs> if you're out there, <laughs> hit us up. <laughs> hit us. Get the Sluts and Scholars Daddy subscription now. <laughs> okay, so it literally says, like, what this pre. Almost like it's a. It was planned for you. In a way, yes. I do believe that our souls almost sign up for a a course in the universe when we incarnate in this lifetime. And Mm. you incarnated here to be Nicoletta Heidegger and that energy of being a sexologist and, and a Gemini and all of the things that come with that. Like you're embodying that ego sphere. And from a philosophical point of view, supposedly on the other side, there's unification. We are all Mm -hmm. part of this collective. But Mm -hmm. here on Earth, we have to claim a certain amount of ego space in order to have an identity. Mm -hmm. And I believe that begins with your astrology. So it sounds like it's just all a way to try to get to know yourself better. And to sort of be a starting point for like conversations with yourself and your partner. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting you you being a Gemini, your, your partner's a Libra, right? Yes. Those two naturally find each other. It's a natural compatibility and fun fact, Gemini's love horses. They're ruled by uh, horses are ruled by the Zodiac sign Gemini. And here you are doing equine therapy. So yeah. And I was doing the stuff before I read before I read any of that stuff. So yeah, so it's, it's really it is interesting. I mean, there are those out there who will be like, "Well, you can hear any chart and be like, oh, I resonate with that.'" But right, well, um, of course, you know, this if if you resonate with some chart that's not yours, <laughs> we'll take that as as info too. But well, but so Danny and I did a session, and um, I would say, like I said, for the maybe the non-believer folks. For the believers, I don't feel like I have to convince you. And even if you're a non-believer, I, I'm not here to convince you. And what I liked about it is you would say something like, this is what this is showing. And then you would say, how does that resonate with you? Or how does that show up for you? And that's something that I would say to my clients in other settings too. Because to me, it's all about, well, how is this relating to you relationally as a person, as an individual? And so it's really you know, you could say the same thing to somebody else, like I said, and they're going to come up with something different as to how it resonates with them. A hundred percent. I mean, I was doing a tarot reading for a client last night and the card we pulled was Alethea, which is the card of truth. And it sparked this whole conversation about how she needs to be truthful and honest with, she was having a relationship with a woman and she was getting ready to get out of that relationship and start dating a man. So that one card, that concept of truth being the first concept that came up, it sparked an entire conversation where she, there were tears, there was healing and it, she needed boundaries. So again, it's just, it's an open-minded and unconventional way of healing, but in my opinion, it works. Mm. Okay. So once we get some of this like information and this insight, um, how can that sort of guide us to connecting more sexually with ourselves and with others or in relationship? Sure. So like in the birth chart, we can look at the way that Venus and Mars are aspected in our own birth chart. And if you understand that maybe you have a Venus that wants to connect and a Mars that wants to detach, you can begin to understand that oh my God, there are parts of myself that are not in harmony with each other. They're in conflict with each other. Mm-hmm. And just to start thinking, okay, I need to find a way to have a little integration, do some temperance on myself. Because if you're if you're trying to be spicy and a dom here, but you also have this part of you that's avoidant and um, whatever, like we gotta holistically put all of the complex parts of ourselves together and begin trying to integrate. Because 
that's all astrology wants us to learn is how can you know yourself better and integrate what you know about yourself to meet mm. others more deeply. And what's some of the like history and I guess cultural significance of, of using astrology? Well, I know that it dated back all the way to the Babylonians. And we can look through historic history, really, through different um, cultures and rulerships. They always had a priest, a spiritual consultant, and then an astrologer or what mm -hmm. was often known as a seer. Mm -hmm. So big picture decisions about life weren't just made through consulting a rational thing. I mean, we have to think even just 200 years ago, where were we, where were we technologically in the world? Like we didn't have access to all of the information via the internet or anything. So people had to get guidance any way that they could. And the idea that there could be something that we can't measure or fully understand was king. There are already so many great resources in this episode, but I'm going to take a quick pause just to acknowledge and give you some discount codes from our amazing, generous advertisers. Remember that the more that you support the advertisers, the more that you support the podcast and help it keep going. I personally am super busy, and the first advertiser is Saqqara. Um, it really helps to have yummy food ready to eat when I have a really busy week. And right now, Saqqara is offering our listeners 20% off of your first order when you go to Saqqara.com slash S&S or enter code S&S at checkout. Sakara.com slash S and S. Sakara makes organic ready to eat meals and they are made with powerful plant rich ingredients and are designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion and get your skin glowing. Sadly, they're only available in the US right now. Sorry for you international listeners, but maybe they will expand soon, especially if you order them and you're in the US. Along with delicious plant rich meals, Sakara also offers daily wellness essentials for optimal nutrition. Sakara's supplement packs called the foundation and their metabolism super powder deliver support for gut health energy immunity and healthy skin i'm personally not vegan and i really enjoyed the meals and that should tell you something they are quality and it's like eating a rainbow they are super colorful plus they have new menus every week and right now sakara is offering you listeners 20 percent off their first order when you go to sakra.com slash s-a-n-d-s that's sakara.com slash s and s to get 20% off of your first order, sakara.com slash S and S. And while you're feeding your body, don't forget to feed your mind, your soul, and your genitals. Welcoming back Dipsy. And thank you so much to Dipsy for continuing to support the podcast. I really appreciate you. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories that are designed to turn you on. And listeners of the podcast, Dipsy is offering you a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash S and S. Especially in a long-term relationship, I usually need something more than, hey, want to fuck to get me in the mood. I love listening to Dipsy as a way to start some all-day foreplay. Sometimes I'll listen to it and that's enough for me, and other times it's for self-pleasure or to help me warm up for partnered play. They also have wellness sleep soundscapes, and I often turn those on to go to sleep too, so it's really your one-stop shop. Basically, it's my go-to for winding up and winding down. And now Dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash s and s that's a 30-day free trial when you go to d-i-p-s-e-a stories.com slash s-a-n-d-s dipsystories.com slash s and s well it's interesting too because I, i'm in a phd doctoral program and, and doing research and so i you know i am working in that that realm and i think a lot of folks will say like well science is objective or hard truth or doesn't lie or you know whatever the numbers don't lie and I've learned so much that the way that science and research is done often has a huge amount of bias. Yeah. <laughs> and based on, you know, who's uh, financially supporting it or who's conducting it or how somebody looked at the limitations of the research. And so there will often be, you know, headlines or whatever that say, okay, well, this is, you know, research says or a study said this. Um, but it's often kind of like sometimes misinterpreted or we just take like the highlight reel or we don't look further to see, well, who did this research? How is it potentially biased? And so um, even for sciencey folks, I think it's important to really like ask questions 
um, and to really get a deeper understanding of, of all that potential stuff, because it certainly can impact what some people accept as objective truth. I would completely agree. And my philosophy is um, anytime we're, we're diving into an extreme, that's where we're falling into ego territory. And a big part of living life is to try to detach ourselves from our egos as much as possible to live untethered and to be able to, I say this all the time in my practice, we can only meet others as deeply as we've met ourselves. So whenever somebody finds themselves in an extreme, whether that's logic or, or emotion or Mm -hmm. a political spectrum, whatever it is, I think on some level it might be based on a certain, uh, there's something internally going on. And if we're going to live in a more loving and integrated world, we can at least try to see a perspective outside of our own. Yeah. And I remember reading this quote. I can't remember who said it, but uh, it takes an incredibly intelligent man to be able to entertain an idea that he does not agree with. Mm. So from the very least, even just as a, a, a mental exercise to see what what might come of entertaining mm. something that you don't necessarily believe in. Mm. And going more into, I think, the sex and relationship part of things, another aspect of, I think, folks who are interested in mysticism and astrology, there's often an intersection or an overlap with people who are interested in, like, kundalini and, like, tantric practice. Yes. Um, Tell me a little about about that. (laughs) So kundalini and tantric sexuality, I mean, Kundalini is all about the motion. It's a, it's a way to try to um, harvest our own sexual energy through movement and dance. And um, I'm teaching a class on the chakras right now. And the mm. sacral chakra is the birthplace of sexuality, creativity, vulnerability, spirituality, all the stuff that Brene Brown wants to talk about, you know. Mm, um, she's just not calling it sacral chakra. Well, she's calling it vulnerability. Yes, but our sacral chakra, it's our womb. It's our pubic bone. It's that that most um, private and sensual part of ourselves where we Mm -hmm. are literally giving birth to creation and artistic energy. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to to foster more creativity, the way to stimulate the sacral chakra is through sex. Um, And the more creative sex, the better, but also through movement and dance. So Kundalini is the practice of moving your body as a way to inspire your sexuality. And it's no surprise that you'll see people who are incredibly fluent in motion and dance are also incredibly sexual. Mm. Like the most, the most creative uh, people often are the most sexual as well. Artists, musicians, dancers, all of it. Yeah. I had someone on the podcast recently, um, Lola Jean, and I think she was, if you've listened to that episode or if not, go check it out she was talking about, you know, the importance of if you're feeling disconnected or if you're not in the mood sexually to kind of move in a sensual way Yes. to sort of help, um, I don't know, help energize yourself in that way. So this kind of fits into that. Yeah. And I liked what I believe it was Lola who said it, like you have to be open to the idea of being turned on. Mm. So that's like stimulating yourself through any kind of motion or movement can really Mm -hmm get that that the whole the mind and the and the genitals to meet each other because sometimes Mm. one wants something and the other one's like not even interested yeah like you said for some maybe the brain is a stimulation but for others it's not enough to have your body respond the way you want it to right right and i know i look i've got a friend she's come completely just from a guy whispering in her ear not touching her or anything like love it so that's and she had a gemini moon sign let me tell you (laughs) i will start practicing (laughs) but it's that mental aspect um Mm -hmm. and then when we talk about um So that was kundalini tantric sexuality. This Mm -hmm. is the idea of where you can actually store your sexual energy. So it's um, through masturbation and the act of like stimulating yourself sexually. There's this idea that you can store that energy and you're supposed to do it until right before you come and then stop and then continue going on about your day. And the idea is that you are storing um, that, that tantric sexual energy to, to make you more motivated, more action-oriented, more creative, more sexual during your waking life. Mm. How do we frame that as maybe a, 
I mean, I'm hearing it as a positive thing, but I certainly have a lot of clients who express like frustration, like blue balls, blue clit, whatever you want to call it. Where it's like, I, if I don't have this release, I can't focus. I don't feel connected. I don't feel loved. Like how, what's happening for folks that are maybe struggling to hold on to that and have patience with it? Sure. Well, this is just a completely different uh, practice then. The mindset is not one of not getting what you want through orgasm. Instead, it's a, it's a way to try to store that energy in your body to then create like a, a lasting effect throughout your day. Yeah. And the Egyptians... I think, I think it highlights some insight too if, if you can't store that. Or if you're struggling to store that, what does that mean? Ooh. And how is that how is that affecting the way you show up in relationships? How does that affect the way you hear and take in quote unquote rejection when someone doesn't want to have sex with you at that moment? And like, what other tools and resources do you have to deal with uncomfortable feelings? A hundred percent. And it's like orgasm is not the only part of sex. So I believe two people can have incredible sex without coming. So we have to keep in mind that it's not just about, uh, that the physical act of getting off, but it's like how much intimacy, vulnerability, sexuality, spice are you getting out of the experience? Um, Mm. and maybe one person wants to have anonymous sex over here. Somebody else wants to have an orgy and somebody else wants to have, um, loving sex with a partner that they've been in a relationship with for 14 years or all the above or all of, Hey girl, (laughs) We got Gemini's. We got you Aquarius's listening to this podcast. We know you're out there because <laughs> air signs typically are more interested in open relationships where um, signs like, you know, water signs are more interested in that committed, vulnerable. But again, you, astrology is complex. You can have a sun and an, a water sign and a Venus and an air sign. And all of a sudden there's different flavors going on. Mm. And what were you saying before about Egyptian something? Oh, yeah, yeah. So the Egyptians used to use the act of masturbation as a way to harvest their tantric energy. So what they would do is they would start masturbating and they would send the energy from through the chakras, through the tailbone, all the way up to the heart and then shoot that heart centered energy around their head to their back, back into their heart, down into their tailbone once again. And they would do this while they would ejaculate. So that was an act of literally that, that motion that they're visualizing is the shape of the Egyptian symbol of life. The Ankh. The Ankh, yeah. So it's it's a way, that's why that symbol is used. It's a way to harvest your spiritual and sexual energy as literally giving life. Mm. So, so how do we practice that sending that energy? Is that just pra- practice I, imagining it? Yeah, yeah. It's what some people might not like this, but you just have to use your imagination. It's by visualizing and by trying something, you're going to get a result. And what I tell my clients all the time is our words and our thoughts are the steering wheel and spirit is the ship. If you're trying to manifest more sexual energy and you set your intention on doing that, you're going to get more sexual energy. It goes back to that concept of placebo versus manifestation. You create it. Mm. Oh, that onk thing. Like, I didn't know that. That really like blew my mind. Yeah. And that's, (laughs) I'm so much more interested in that now. (laughs) I was always interested, but like, that's cool. Yeah. Well, the Egyptians were so tied into their sexuality in a way that, that I think many of us in modern day aren't. And it was recognized as like the womb, that, that way that we can create life because like I said, artists, musicians, um, creative people in general, they're incredibly dialed into their sacral chakra energy. So that's something that we all need to work on if we're trying to, it, it also just makes you more happy. When you have good sex, you're just happier. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, if I mean, I guess I'm judging, maybe you aren't, but if you're in tune with your sacral chakra, how has it maybe shifted your own life experience and things like that? Um I mean, me personally, since I started teaching these classes on on the chakras and and other spiritual topics, I've really delved in deeper to sacral energy. And one girl that I was working with in my class, she had a severe blockage. It was revealed in her astrological birth chart that she has rejected sexuality pretty much her whole life and also in a past life. 
And she was like blown away. She was like, yes, that's very true. And I said, it's actually part of your soul's destiny this time around to unlock that Kundalini energy, that, that tantric sexuality, and then to express yourself. And she had never experienced orgasm with a partner. And after doing our course, like I gave her exercises on masturbation, things to do with herself, um, ways to visualize having a sexual experience with another person. And I told her, you can only meet others as deeply as you've met yourself. If you haven't made yourself come, how is somebody else going to do it? You got to get in there and have a hands-on approach. Mm-hmm. So when we are in touch with our spirituality, it puts us in touch with other people. And that's mm-hmm. sex, spirituality, and creativity. It's all the same life force. Well, for the scholars listening, um, any homework that we can do to practice that? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> So um, the act of, of masturbation itself can be treated from a spiritual point of view or maybe if a, a mental point of view by trying to visualize something that you want out of your life, begin masturbating to stimulate yourself and, and visualize what you're trying to acquire and do so thoughtfully and in a sexy and playful way with yourself. And as you orgasm, try to shoot that energy up into your heart, around your head and back down into your spine as a way of literally manifesting what you want. And you may be really surprised at the kind of results you're going to get. So that's one one thing. Another thing would be to literally sit down and... um, Also, sorry, everyone, if it's a little loud, there's a leaf blower outside (laughs) and uh, 2021, there's nothing I can do about it. So... (laughs) Just accept it. Um, yeah. The, the other idea would be to sit down or stand up in front of a mirror completely naked and to look at your body and to take it in as an exercise of self-acceptance hmm. or even an that exercise. That can be hard to do. Yes. But if we look at what's there in the mirror and say, I accept this unconditionally as it is, then that can be life-changing for sacral chakra energy. And that also works on the solar plexus, which is about our our will, our sense of humor, and our self-expression. Mm. Okay, I love it. And I'm, I'm noticing our time, so I'm going to make a soft left. Okay. Um, talk about ayahuasca <gasps> and drug use yes. <laughs> as, a way, as a way to um, engage in you know plant medicine healing. Yes. Um, well, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> There's uh, so much, so much I yeah. can say about this. Um, this, this is kind of taking us into the territory of conventional uses of Western medicine aren't necessarily king anymore because we're seeing things like ayahuasca, psilocybin therapy, ketamine therapy coming into the masses mm-hmm. and being recognized as healing modalities. And somewhere along the line, the West has divorced itself from these antiqual practices that people have used for healing to help remove trauma, to help um, make important life decisions, whatever. Like the Why do you think we're coming back around to it and it's becoming more used, trendy, whatever you want to say? Sure. Um, well, the number one reason is it works. Um, I think ayahuasca, mushrooms, ketamine therapy, all of these things have results that can be measured and they can be studied. And while the experience is, it feels supernatural, psychic, or just mystical and magical, the the measurable results are undeniable. People can do these things, especially with the assistance of a licensed physician or a shaman to then help themselves liberate themselves. And Mm -hmm. ayahuasca is incredibly useful for helping remove trauma and blockages. I mean, people who have been, Oh, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say any examples that you have of like your own or other people's experiences with that. Sure. I know um, one woman had been in the human sex trafficking ring and she was in the process of rehabilitating herself and she did ayahuasca um, multiple times and is now living a, a functional life where she's dealt with the, the demons of her past and she's able to walk and stand in herself without reliving that trauma every day of her life. Mm. Or I've, I've, the first time I did ayahuasca, I lost 60 pounds. 
So, and that's just a simple, like the brain, <laughs> not, not during that journey, but right <laughs> no, after no. that, I'm like, it was, cause I know, I know a lot of people like shit and vomit with, oh, yeah. <laughs> when they do ayahuasca. So I'm like, is it during the thing? You're like, wow, that's 60 pounds of shit weight. And I just get out there. Well, ayahuasca cleanses the liver. It cleanses the kidney. Mm-hmm. It cleanses the stomach and, and the bile. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, I'm like burping now. As it's almost like it's working through me. If we were, yeah, if we were to interpret that somatically, it's you're still releasing something. Yes, amen. And it's the idea that that when we are in touch with these ancient modalities, like you can release things, ayahuasca, mushrooms. These things help rewire the neural pathways in the brain. So this is one of the most beautiful and fascinating marriages between spirituality and through um, science. There's there's a nice intersection here that scholars, sluts, whoever you are, we can all get on the same page with this. Mm. And how do we find good folks to practice that with? Like you said, I imagine there are definitely charlatan type ways to go where someone's like, I'm a shaman, here's some drugs. Oh my God, I'm so glad that you're bringing this up because I know a lot of people that are just um, calling themselves a shaman. They have no experience through any kind of lineage. And that's where we get to the idea of appropriation of certain practices that are seen as sacraments. And if you're going to do something like ayahuasca, find someone who is trained through a lineage. My shaman has been trained through the Shipibo tribe in Peru. That's where I'm planning to go study so that I can bring it back to the U.S. Um, and try to create a legalized way to distribute my ayahuasca um, when I'm ready to do so. Yeah. And yeah, how do we be mindful of uh, appropriating this you know, cultural practice right well to me it's always about or i don't want to say how do we be mindful of appropriate how do we be mindful of not appropriating <laughs> cultural practice sure sure <laughs> to make sure that we are not appropriating any of these cultural practices one of the best pieces of advice is to go to the source itself learn the way that i mean that's why i want to go to the shipibo tribe in peru i want to learn what they do to distribute ayahuasca. And that includes um, learning the ancient Icaros, which an Icaro is just a medicine song that they sing while you are in that ayahuasca uh, space. Ayahuasca lasts six to eight hours. So obviously that's a long time to be uh, tripping on some drugs. <laughs> and what, what they do is they sing, they chant to you. And these medicine songs are like encoded with healing modalities in them. So as they sing, you're being healed auditorily, but also they stimulate certain kinds of psycho psychedelic uh, visualizations and, and stimulation as well. So go to the source, learn their practices and do not try to disrespect the traditions of where something comes from. Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously not the person to, rant about this because I'm a white person, but I'm just thinking of like other stories that people have shared, whether it be folks trying to like find a medicine person on native lands or whatever. I do think, you know, there are folks who definitely have feelings about that, whether it be pushback of like, no, this is our stuff. You don't get to come in and use it. Um, especially if you've treated us, um, and murdered us (laughs) in terrible ways, you know? So I, I don't know. I have mixed I certainly want to like try some plant medicine, but I definitely have some internal dialogues about it that I'd love to hear. I mean, not just yours, but other people's perspectives on. So of course, if you're listening and you are interested in that, hit me up at sluts and scholars at gmail.com. Yes, baby. And what, what we, uh, what I'm very interested in is this is such a complex topic. It, there's no one answer to this and we've got, billions of perspectives out in the world. So what is perfectly acceptable for one person is repulsive and unimaginable to another. And that's not just for plant medicine, that's for sex too. So we have to understand what astrology can teach us is we all come in different flavors. And as long as you have the consent of the person that you are not, I don't want to say appropriating, but using that part of their culture in and you're respecting it, I think that's fair game. If if someone wants to offer you an experience or um, a form of healing 
that comes from their culture and they're giving you their consent. And then also, the, and you're paying for, and you're paying for it. Yes. And there's an equal Idea, or, or whatever. There's some equal you know. energy exchange. I like to say, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. as long as there's consent, there's an energetic exchange and there's respect for the practices. I think that's one of the most beautiful ways that we can try to navigate uh, this landscape. And mm-hmm. again, maybe going to one tribe in Peru, like they would really appreciate and enjoy spreading this kind of spiritual message. But maybe another tribe in Peru would be offended or a, another tribe in a different place in Latin America. So mm-hmm. we have to understand this is a complex issue. There's no one answer. And mm-hmm. what offends one is like savior energy to another. <laughs> so Mm. Yeah. And it sounds like for you, then feeling authentic in that is taking the time to know the history, know where it's coming from, you know, speak to folks, not just be like, deliver me this service. Right. Um, and I'll just take it and do what I want with it. Yeah. And that's why I really don't like the appropriation of ayahuasca when it's like, yeah, man, we're all going to like sit around and do ayahuasca. And like that, that's, to me, it's it's disrespectful to the lineage, it's disrespectful to the medicine and to the ancestors associated with this practice. Yeah. What kind of stuff did you see? <laughs> <laughs> oh, baby. Oh, there was a lot about sex that came up for me. Mm. You know, the, it, it, about blockages that I've had about sex, about my own body, yeah. about um, intimacy and vulnerability. And when I did ayahuasca, I literally, you puke so much. Sometimes. 60 pounds worth, well, apparently. <laughs> what's interesting is the first time I did it, I puked four buckets worth of of liquid and different things. And it was dark, brown, murky water that, that was coming up. So It's like, where the fuck did that come from? Well, again, ayahuasca cleanses the liver and the kidneys and, and all of these other parts of the organs. So it's going deep in there. But then you get to a yeah. point where you can no longer puke up anything else. Your stomach is empty. So you begin dry heaving, and this is where it's like you're you're vomiting up rocks, like, it, I, and I can't. This sounds horrible. I can't explain. <laughs> that it, there's no physical matter, but it's like you're you're getting like what I would call something out. It's almost like low vibrational frequencies because your your body even goes like, and it's you know like yeah, it sounds almost like an exorcism, and in my opinion, it is. <laughs> dang (laughs) okay so what's the what's the upside (laughs) the upside is that same trip i had like hours of of visualizing beautiful energy i this is really interesting actually i take it back i think is interesting that when i heard pain i thought well that's not the upside and that's definitely something that people come into my practice with practice with which is like if this is hard or difficult or painful i want to stay away from it Mm. as opposed to like that Sometimes we have to trudge through right. vomiting rocks. Well, the only way out is through. And Freud mm-hmm. said, if we repress something, it will come out in unusual and unconventional ways. So for me, not mm-hmm. dealing with my body image issues, my whatever, the intimacy and vulnerability blockages I had, it was literally translating into weight on my body. Mm-hmm. So once I got that out of the way, the weight fell off. Interesting. And also I, I had this intuitive feeling I needed to stop eating meat. So I'm back on meat right now, but it's just that with that, those two things paired together, I lost weight so quickly Mm. and removing the trauma, the shame, whatever that was surrounding my body. That was maybe, maybe pain isn't seen as the most desirable thing, but the reason I like to go back to ayahuasca is for the vomiting and the purging and the releasing. Mm. So, yeah. And there are, you know, for folks listening, there are different hallucinogenic and other type drugs that are being used, you know, as medicine and are being researched. Um, So psilocybin mushrooms, um, check that out. It looks, I think it's already legal in some states, like in in Oregon. Um, But there are places, you know, here in California, too, where they're doing like research-based stuff. There's ketamine therapy. Um, So, you know, obviously do, I'm not your therapist, I'm not your clinician, but like do your homework and find somebody that seems like they know what they're doing (laughs) because it's definitely not, uh, you know, FDA approved (laughs) and look at the stuff that is FDA approved and some of the impact it's had on folks. So you got to make your own decisions. Yeah. And I'll say it now. Like, I think these things will be legalized and accepted as, as healing for the masses probably in the next five or 10 years. 
Yeah. Because it's undeniable, the research and the, the um, ability to help people. But again, mm-hmm. you have to know what you're doing. If you're on any heavy SSRIs, you cannot do ayahuasca. It's, it will, it will interfere with your body. It can be very damaging. So yeah, please don't listen to this and just go buy whatever hallucinogens you can make sure it's something that fits for you, your body, whatever medications you're taking. Yeah. And, and it's incredibly important for any practice that somebody's doing research it. Like I, I love things like astrology and tarot, but I'm not running around as a charlatan astrologer. Like it's founded in, in years and years of research. And when I went to do ayahuasca, I researched where can I find through a lineage, through the the tribe, what's a contact. So mm. I, that's just so important to me that we, we have to try to be mindful anytime we're putting ourselves out there for an experience. Do your research, know what you're getting into, know where it's coming from, and know, like, just just be in the know. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Danny, thank you. This we've like covered so much. <laughs> and I know there's like so much more to uncover, but I know. Um, how can well, we'll we'll keep going in our own conversations, but how can folks hire you, find you, um, join your classes, check out what you're doing? So basically, um, people can find me through Yelp. I've got a Yelp page that's got um, a phone number that you can text and call on there. Um, there's also bio and stuff on there. You can email me at santosastrology at gmail.com. Um, I also do a really fun, free one-card tarot reading on my personal Facebook page. Um, that's www.facebook.com forward slash Danny Santos and the number two. Um, and yeah, However you can find me, like, let's get in contact. We can do astrology, tarot, if you need an exorcism done on your house. <laughs> um, like, literally, whatever it is, I'm your guy for spirituality. That's the, the, the space that I've come to take up here in this world. Well, thank you so much, Danny. This is this is awesome and certainly enlightening for me. And um, if you want to follow what I'm doing at Sluts and Scholars, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Slut Scholars. And please, if you're listening and you enjoyed this, please rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and check out our advertisers. All these things help keep the podcast going. So thanks for your support and talk to you next week.